Hello everyone and welcome to the August 9th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folds with Floyd, Scarin and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal ruled that the use of an AME to determine treatment issues is an implicit objection of the opinion of the UR physician by the injured worker. Here's what happened. Frank Rendon was assaulted and strangled by a co-worker while working as a shipping and receiving clerk for a company known as Trimus in Fresno. An AME report prepared by Dr. Simmons shortly after the assault anticipated that his symptoms would resolve shortly and that he was not in need of further therapy. Later, a PTP diagnosed the worker with a C3-4 annular tear and recommended a consultation with a neurosurgeon to rule out a surgical lesion. Trimus submitted the request for a neurosurgical consult to its UR process that concluded the referral was not medically necessary and the employer refused to approve the request for a referral. Even though the worker did not officially object to the UR opinion, Dr. Simmons conducted a second AME evaluation by agreement of the parties. The AME concluded in this second report that the claimant developed a very serious complicated neck condition and agreed that a neurosurgical consult was reasonable. The parties submitted the matter of this referral to a workers' compensation administrative law judge at an expedited hearing. The work comp judge ordered the neurosurgical consult as recommended by both the PTP and the AME. A petition for reconsideration of this order was denied. On appeal, the employer contends that the worker could not proceed to the WCAB's general dispute resolution process without first timely objecting to the UR determination. The employer relied on specific language in the Supreme Court 2008 Sanhagen decision, which states that the employee shall notify the employer of an objection to the UR decision in writing within 20 days, which the employee in this case did not do. The Court of Appeals stated that the employer's reliance on Sanhagen was misplaced. The court found that applicant did resort to the dispute resolution process when he selected Dr. Simmons as an AME even though no formal written objection was filed. And in financial news, California employers are bracing for a workers' comp rate hike next year. A spokesman for the WCIRB Actuarial Committee said that a premium rate hike of about 30% appears warranted. Within a few days, that committee will determine its exact recommendation to present to the WCIRB Governing Committee. The Governing Committee will then vote on the increase that it will recommend to Insurance Commissioner Steve Poisner. The Insurance Commissioner, in turn, can accept reject or alter the Rating Bureau's recommendation. Workers' compensation insurers are free to set their own rates, but they use the Commissioner's recommendations as a benchmark. The Rating Bureau has been making the case for higher rates for several years. 
The Rating Bureau had proposed a 23.7% hike for July 1, 2009 policies. They then asked for a 22.8% increase for policies starting in January 2010. Poisoner rejected the recommendations in favor of no increases in rates. The last increase the insurance commissioner recommended was for policy starting in January 2009. And that one was for only 5% after the rating bureau had recommended a 16% boost in rates. At the same time, many carriers are reporting combined loss ratios in excess of 100%. That is always a sign of financial trouble ahead. And speaking of financial trouble, Seabright Insurance Company reported a second quarter net loss of $15.5 million compared to a profit of $4.3 million a year earlier. The loss came as the insurer had to set aside more money to cover higher-than-expected claims from policies sold in previous years. Most of this was driven by policies sold in California. John Pasqualetto, Seabright's chief executive, said his company encountered increasing medical cost trends and longer average claim durations made worse by protracted high unemployment levels in California. Seabright has been raising prices for workers' comp coverage in California and they have now asked for a 15.3% increase in rates. Seabright Insurance Company operates as a specialty underwriter of multi-jurisdictional workers' compensation insurance. York Risk Services Group announced that it has acquired California-based Great Western Administrators. The terms of the acquisition were not disclosed. Great Western provides claim service oversight for four California self-insurance groups. These groups are the California Livestock Producers, California Agricultural Products, California Contractors Network, and California Farm Management. York has extended employment offers to Great Western's employees and expects that they and the previous owners of Great Western will play an active role in the successful transition of services. York is based in Parsippany, New Jersey, and has more than 1,200 employees nationwide. And in regulatory news, the Commission on Health and Safety and Workers' Compensation issued a report that was highly critical of the benefit notices now mandated for use by claims administrators. Labor Code Section 77B authorizes the Commission to issue periodic reports and recommendations to improve and simplify benefit notices. The Commission organized a small task force of knowledgeable advisors which included Schools Insurance Authority, California Workers' Compensation Institute, TriStar Risk Management, the California Applicants' Attorneys Association, and Southern California Edison Company. The team was requested to review specific problems with the current system of benefit notices and to brainstorm possible alternatives. They were in basic agreement about the problems, characterizing benefit notices as follows. Current notices were too voluminous, overly wordy, redundant, containing fact sheets and forms that are not needed by all workers. They were complex, 
overwhelming, frightening, vague, and confusing. The team claims that the notices do not convey the main points to workers and are difficult to keep updated. The Commission recommended that they collaborate with the Division of Workers' Compensation to explore improvements. To implement these recommendations, the Commission proposed specific changes to various labor code sections that would be required before the DWC would have authority to change the current notice scheme. They also recommended that the Internet be used to provide notices to workers who had Internet access. The report estimates the overall net savings to be more than $42 million every year if notices were distributed electronically when feasible. It is now up to the California Legislature to implement or ignore the recommendations of this report. Last week, WorkComp Academy noted in a news article that the California Society of Industrial Medicine and Surgery, or CSIMS, had severe criticism of the proposed changes to the official medical fee schedule. They claimed on their website that the fees for medical treatment for California injured workers under the proposed OMFS would be a disaster and would lower reimbursement rates for physicians to essentially the lowest in the nation. Perhaps their alarm caught the attention of the Division of Workers' Compensation. Despite the fact that the proposed OMFS changes are in the advanced stages of public comment, the DWC has now announced a physician fee schedule stakeholder meeting. Specifically, this meeting will discuss questions such as, should the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services Evaluation and Management Documentation Guidelines be adopted in accordance with the CMS approach? Should there be a single conversion factor or a triple conversion factor? Are the Medicare ground rules that are in the proposed rule appropriate for California workers' compensation? And are there suggestions for additional or different ground rules that should be adopted? These and other questions will be discussed on Tuesday, August 17, from 10 a.m. until noon at the Eli O. Harris State Office Building Auditorium located at 1515 Clay Street in Oakland. It is very important that those who are interested in expressing their view use this opportunity to do so. This may be the final public hearing before a regulation modifying the OMFS is adopted. Claims administrators and others who have had delays obtaining a QME panel will welcome this announcement from the Division of Workers' Compensation. The DWC Medical Unit has successfully cleared the QME panel request backlog by processing nearly 32,000 requests between April and June 2010. The unit announced that during the two-month period they processed the equivalent of 41% of the total number of represented panels processed during 2009. DWC Medical Unit Manager Sue Honor said her unit saw the backlog growing and knew they had to meet the challenge. As of today, she claims they are processing requests in 21 calendar days. Regulations require the panel be issued in 30 calendar days. The medical unit has processed more than 1,150,000 panel requests since 1991.
And now our workers' compensation fraud and abuse report. The Monterey County District Attorney's Workers' Compensation Fraud Unit announced the convictions of seven people in six cases. Roberta Brunet admitted she failed to pay payroll taxes and secure workers' compensation insurance for her business, your hometown sewing center in Marina. Judge Robert Burleson sentenced her to three years probation and ordered her to pay a $5,000 fine. Brunet must also pay $5,000 in restitution to the State Employment Development Department and has paid about $3,000 in back taxes. Also pleading guilty or non -con no contest to charges of failing to secure workers' compensation uh, were James Johnston of Carmel, Tony Mata, Jamie Mora, Jose Valencia, Anthony Heron, all four from Salinas, and Danny Nagio from Marina. Each was placed on three years probation in order to pay fines to the Department of Insurance Fraud Division. Their arrests followed an enforcement operation in June by local and state investigators. And in medical news, Risk Management Magazine has raised a warning flag over the lack of loss control tools for workers exposed to radiofrequency radiation. They claim that decades of scientific research dating back to 1960 has determined that excessive exposure to radiofrequency radiation is hazardous to human health. All told, the present multi-agency exposure guidelines have a lineage that dates back nearly a half century. Science proves the causal link between radiofrequency radiation exposure and behavioral, cognitive, and psychological injuries such as depression, memory loss, mood disorders, sleep disorders, and impaired cognitive function. The risk of injury may be significant for many employers such as FCC licensees, property owners, utility companies, local governments, school districts and universities, and more. Others exposed could be roofers, electricians, carpenters, maintenance personnel, HVAC technicians, painters, first responders, and others. They are routinely required to work in exposure zones without the benefit of safety training. One case has already made its way through the Alaska Supreme Court. Satellite communications provider AT&T Alascom was forced to pay temporary total disability and medical benefits to John Orchard, a company employee. Orchard originally filed for workers' compensation benefits, claiming that he had suffered head, brain, and upper body injuries as a result of overexposure to radiofrequency radiation. Experts say that current strategies and methodologies to protect workers have been outstripped and rendered obsolete by the rapid proliferation of wireless networks. And in other news, the California State Compensation Insurance Fund announced it has earned international recognition for several outstanding communication and outreach programs. Awards in seven categories were presented to the state fund at the 2010 annual meeting of the American Association of State Compensation Insurance Funds. SCIF garnered five first place wins, a third place award, and one runner-up. 
The annual awards ceremony recognizes the best, most creative, and most effective communications programs created by workers' compensation funds and boards from the United States and Canada. One of the first place awards was for the state fund's redesigned corporate website that improves the user experience. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPod, or iPad by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us. Please check our website again next week for more news.